evening and welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show. It is Thursday, April 5th, 2018. Uh, we're bringing you the show live once again, podcast number 271 of Guys Guys Radio, the place where when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. Now, by the name of the show, Guys Guys Radio, a lot of people think it's a bro show. You know, it's about beer and babes. Well, you know what? We talk about relationships. We have a lot of fun on the show. Uh, but it's really more than that. It's about being your best, living your best life. And it all started with my novel, A Guy's Guy's Guide to Love. Let me tell you a little bit uh, about what we're going to do tonight. Do you know how to die correctly? That's my question for you. Do you know how to die correctly? Well, if so, then you know how to live correctly. And our special guest, who I'm thrilled to have on the show, is uh, Michael J. Tamora. He is a spiritual teacher. He's been doing it for like 40 years, and he is amazing. And I, I'm, I'm going to change the show a little bit tonight because usually I do uh, my guy's guy's guide. I take a break. I bring the guest on. I get off, and then I uh, do my uh, uh, guy's guy of the week. But uh, today I'm just going to go right through the show. We're not going to do any commercial interruptions. We're just going to do the whole thing because I want to make the most of my time with Michael. Let me give you a little bit of backstory about where I am and where the show is, and then we'll get right to Michael. You know, I started this show about four or five years ago. We've done 271 podcasts. We've got 100,000 downloads. We're growing, not fast enough for me, but we're, we're getting there, and we're getting more and more guests. I'm doing the show now twice a week, and uh, I'm thrilled because what I've been able to do is really share the messages of my guests. And I've had relationship experts and fantasy sports experts and entertainers and authors and novelists and metaphysical teachers and spiritual teachers like Michael and Paul Selig and uh, so many other psychics that we've had on here, um, Hans Christian King. And uh, this just lots and lots. I, I, going through the list would take me half the show. But it's been a real thrill, and it's a thrill because I've gotten this education for myself, my own spiritual growth, and I've also been able to share the teachings of the folks that I interview on Guys Guys Radio. And again, this is where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins. We started this out about four or five years ago after I launched my novel, The Guys Guys Guide to Love. I had the name in the novel in my mind before writing the book, and it happened when I was uh, just uh, – I was in Bloomingdale's one day and I was listening to a couple speak to each other. And I'm like, you know what? There's a real communications gap between men and women. What can I do to talk about that uh, in a constructive way and help bring the sexes kind of together, closer together and kind of uh, put a bridge over that communications chasm. So I wrote the novel and I had so much fun writing it. And I, the characters came to life on their own. And uh, it's really, it's about, ultimately, it's about love. It's about two guys in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money. And it's been compared to the, like a male sex in the city. And it's fun and it's sexy and all of that. But I made sure that there's an undercurrent of spirituality in the book. And I did so kind of unconsciously. One of the characters, uh, he practices Reiki. And uh, the use of Reiki and, uh, and the relevance of it and knowing what's important and what isn't important actually comes to fruition in the book. And I'm so glad that that's in there uh, because it really, to me, it makes a difference. And nobody who's read the book has ever even mentioned that, but I know it's there. And I know people who don't know anything about Reiki and more and more people know about it or exposed to it. Now I personally am a Reiki master teacher. I'm also an advanced clinical master hypnotist. I don't practice that much, but I have the skill set. I've done the, the Jose Silva life course and I'm on my own. I'm a regular guy on a spiritual journey, uh, learning about myself and self-discovery, and I'm having a blast doing it. And it's, things have changed. Things have changed drastically for me. I was a, a corporate guy for many, many years here in Manhattan, made good money, worked on the marketing side and the advertising side. My last position, I was president of an ad agency. Um, we did great work, but it's such a tough business. Um, there's limited loyalty, uh, you can do great work, and I'm proud of it and proud of the talent that people I worked with. But there's also a lot of uh, in marketing and advertising and in just big business in general, there's a lot of backstabbing. And I just never felt that I, I always my career was like a roller coaster. I was up then down and then up higher and then down and up even higher. And I know with what I'm doing now, since I walked away from it because I didn't feel I was valued enough and I thought that there's another path for me. 
I feel, and I had to go into a valley for that. And I had then personal challenges. I had uh, two surgeries three years ago out of the blue on my kidneys, robotic surgeries back to back within a period of five weeks. I didn't know if I was going to lose a kidney. I didn't. I participated in a second operation by releasing the growth on my kidney to the doctors. And that's, I learned that through my spiritual uh, practice and, uh, and readings and things like that. And, uh, then I started to think that, you know, maybe this is the way I need to go. We started doing guys, guys radio, and I was interviewing a lot of relationship experts. And then I started to get, uh, some publicists sending me authors and then metaphysical authors, and then some psychics. And I started to really open up to that and really have a lot of fun with that. And then read all the books that I was being sent and it made an impression on me. And one of the books I got, uh, this was before I, uh, reached out to the guest was I, I walked into a bookstore. Um, actually it was a, uh, one of these new age stores on fifth Avenue and 14th street here in Manhattan. And I, uh, saw the book, I am the word Paul Selig's book. And I pulled it off the shelf and I'm like, I don't know, I'm going to buy this. I bought it. I read it. I didn't get it. I read it again. I got closer to it. I read it a third time. I'm like, okay, I got it. Now each one of his subs, I took some seminars with him. Uh, my wife and I took one together a weekend, uh, uh, class. And then after that, um, well, let's put it this way. Nine months after that class, we uh, had our son came into the world. So I think we did have a spiritual union based on our uh, going through that process together. And then I started to read Paul's other books. And what I found was they were easier and easier to read. He's had, I think, five books. He's got a six coming out and then he signed up for three more. He's been on the show three times and uh, he'll, hopefully he'll be back. And what I found was as you uh, work and you don't have to work, it's not about working hard as Michael will explain to us, but as you kind of raise your vibration and your frequency, some of the things you're in a different place. So some of the things that would bother you previously, you don't, you're not bothered by because you're in a different space, an elevated space. It's not like you're above everybody or anything, but your frequency is a little bit different. And so uh, some of those concepts happen. And I think when you expose yourself to uh, I'll put this in quotes because it's such a polarizing word, spiritual practices that you, uh, the more you do, the more your frequency kind of uh, tilts up and you're in a different, a better place and you keep ascending and ascending. Not, not that you're not ascending over people, but you're ascending on your own. You're on your journey. You can, you know, you can help other people. Ultimately they, everybody has, is on their own journey. They have to do their own work, but there's things you can do. And it's really, between that and then my surgeries and then coming through that with flying colors, I realized, you know, it's interesting when I went into the surgery that year, I always had this number in my mind. Well, something's going to happen at this age. Something's going to happen at this age. You might die at this age. Well, what happened was I found out I had to get these surgeries and it was like a year, two years before that number came up. And I said to myself, that's it. Oh my gosh, this is real. And it turned out to be uh, a tipping point for me because when I got through it, I knew I'd never have to go back there again. I know I'm fine. I'm better than ever. And I continued my preventive practices, Ayurvedic medicine and, uh, and a lot of spiritual uh, work and self-discovery work. And I lost my fear because I had for the first time, I never knew what I would be like if I couldn't run or if I lost a kidney or if I would die of cancer or something. And I said, no, and I just put that aside and i said 2.0 this is where you you've maybe this was something i had to come to but now i can keep going because i i am captain of the ship now and it's it's all blue skies ahead and uh so here we are on guys guys radio and here we are with a very special uh day that we're going to talk to michael j tomorrow so thank you for bearing with me on uh, my story, but it's so important because I feel that with Guys Guys Radio and with my Guys Guys platform, it may just be a bridge for me, but I'm, I'm determined to embody the Christ consciousness, if you will. And the Christ word is, uh, you know, polarizing to a lot of people. Oh, well, I'm, I, I don't believe in Jesus. It's not about one religion. It's about the consciousness, the universal consciousness of love. Uh, and I'm, <laughs> reaching for how best to describe it. But whenever I let go, whenever I put it into spirit's hands, I'm being gently guided. I reach out. Can I be in touch with my guys? Can I have a, can I know who they are? Can I have a name? Can I have a face? Can whatever. 
I haven't gotten to the point where I'm necessarily getting that, but I'm getting, I'm getting closer. It's interesting. I was watching Michael on Gaia TV last night. He had been interviewed twice and a fascinating story that we'll get into. And as I was sitting on my couch, all of a sudden a breeze came into the room from an angle that would never and has never come into the room before. It just went into the window it wrapped around and it came right at me. I'm like, what is this? And I'm like, hello, who was ever there? Hello. And uh, then I kept watching the show, but things, I just know, I just know that uh, there's a gentle hand uh, guiding me. And, you know, sometimes you think you're telling yourself, but you, you have to trust, you have to have a knowing when you're getting to that place. Anyhow, now I'm babbling, so I'm going to bring my guest on. Let me tell you a little bit about Michael J. Tamora. He's a spiritual teacher. He's a clairvoyant visionary and author of a book called You Are the Answer. Uh, he lives the miracle. Spiritually aware from childhood, he sees everyone the way they are as immortal souls. <clears throat> to guide thousands to their healing, awakening, and true life purpose, he draws from years of intensive training, profound past life recall, nightly out-of-body sojourns, 43 years of teaching and giving clairvoyant counseling, and a lifetime extraordinary experiences, including returning from not one, not two, not three, five near-death experiences, which is amazing. He was born and raised in Japan, educated in America, um, just goes on and on. He's been on NBC's Lisa Show, Ricky Lake, CNN, Bridging Heaven and Earth, Gaim, Virtual Light Broadcast. Um, and he's most recently, his book is uh, that You Are the Answer. He's working on uh, another book, Three Deaths and No Funeral, Lessons on Living the Miracle. And he continues to provide psychic tools and spiritual practices to illuminate the way home for awakening souls. You can get all he's, he'll, he'll give us the website. Well, it's actually, it's michaeltamora.com um, to, to help with your own journey. And uh, he's in this movie, personal PGS, personal, uh, personal guidance system. It's about intuition. And that's where I discovered Michael. I, I, I interviewed Bill Bennett um, a couple of weeks ago, the film pr- uh, director and producer and uh, filmmaker. And uh, I was watching and on my watch, my wife and I were watching. We said, Michael Tamora, this guy is really interesting. I'm connecting with him. And I, uh, reached out. I found him on Facebook or whatever and said, uh, would you be on my show, please? And he said, yes. And uh, that's how it can work sometime. Ask. So anyhow, let's bring him on right now from Mount Shasta, California. The man who's been alive and dead five times. He's on number six now, Michael J. Tamora. Good evening, Michael. How are you? Hi, Hi Robert. It's great <laughs> to be on your show. <laughs> Thank you for bringing me back from the dead. <laughs> <laughs> once, once again. Yes. Well, uh... <laughs> just for your listeners, you know, my voice isn't fully back from uh, surgery I had six months ago, which had nothing to do with my death and everything, other than they had to replace a wire going from the ICD device to my heart. So, because doctors wanted to make sure I don't drop dead that mm-hmm. easily. <laughs> but let me, they let, me they let me ask you something, Michael. What? Yes. Why do you think uh, you know we you you discuss you know choosing your life's purpose and all that? Why do you think you've had so many issues with your heart in this uh, in this incarnation? Well, it's uh, part of it might be you know genetic, but I chose this and. It's so great. I loved your introduction to this show. I love your show already. <laughs> Thank you. And it's, uh, you talked about you wanted to embody more of the Christ consciousness. And I did the same thing. Before um, I had my first heart attack, uh, the night before, I made this decision. It was at a birthday party for some other healer and author. But when that group found out that, oh, my birthday was going to be in four days. They said, oh, let's include you. Got another cake, the candles a whole bit. Somebody comes along, okay, Michael, close your eyes, make a wish, blow out the candles. And so I close my eyes, and all of a sudden, there's complete peace, complete uh, no thoughts, nothing. Complete nothingness, but total peace. And from the middle of this nothingness, this total golden light starts to grow and just gets bigger and bigger. And I knew, oh, this is the Christ consciousness. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to make a 
wish for my birthday, I'll just wish I would like to embody more of the Christ consciousness. <laughs> Fantastic. And the next morning, I uh, woke up gently to in my bed to the sounds of my wife, Raphael, doing, you know, feeding the dog and stuff. And I was in total, total bliss, limitless, just complete bliss. And I'm just lying there, barely conscious of having a body. Then this thought comes up, oh, yes, I have this important meeting at 10 o'clock at the office with this man from Israel. Uh, he wanted to discuss the future of children on this planet. And uh, so I thought, I better get up. So I get out of bed. I'm still in this bliss state, but I'm able to operate my body. Then it's like this lightning hits me. It's, I don't know what's going on. The whole, my whole world is shaking to bits, and I'm shaking and, and, you know, barely able to stand up. And just then, Raphael, my wife, walks in the bedroom, and she goes, Oh, no, are you having a heart attack? Well, we've never had anything to do with heart attacks or anything, never discussed it, but that just comes right out of her mouth, and, and she's a clairvoyant. And, mm -hmm. and I'm, I used to be a nurse, so I'm going, no, from everything I know about heart attacks and symptomology, this can't be a heart attack because it's nothing like anything I learned in nursing school way back when. So I said, no, I don't think so, uh, but I think I'm just going to need a healing. Would you, you know, go to the uh, living room and give me a healing? And she starts giving me a healing. I have to go outside. And this is when I have... Uh, the precursor to my second near-death experience. Mm -hmm. And, and, and uh, I didn't know I was having a heart attack. just went on and on and on. I'm outside. I just needed to be in the sunshine. I'm totally out of the body. My body wasn't dead. My heart, I don't think, stopped. It was just crumpled up, still breathing and everything. But I was completely out. And I'm surrounded by these great beings who I recognized as masters. And and uh, guides, and I thought, thank God, <laughs> they're here. I almost felt like, oh, they're here to swoop me, swoop down and save me. But no, they <laughs> all stepped back away from me. And I'm going, oh, okay. And the message <laughs> was, yeah, <laughs> message was totally clear. This is your time. It, you need to make a decision. And I'm going, okay, what decision? And I never realized when you're in the middle of a heart attack, it's hard to think, much less make a decision. And they said, this is one of the most important decisions of your life. Make it carefully. So I'm thinking, okay, people in my condition right now would be thinking about, shall I go to the hospital? You know, am I going to die? But I realized I've already been dead. I have no fear of dying. If this is my time, I'm ready to go. But I knew it wasn't, because the first time I died, I had a choice. When I went over, I was met by half of this group around a, like a conference table, and they said, welcome back. You know, you've, mm. you're, you've done great. You're done. You've given more. You've done more. You've accomplished more than you've signed up for. So if you want, you can stay here and work with us and continue your spiritual guidance of people and so forth on your path. And, or, since you've done so well, you have the choice. If you'd like to go back, we're all for it, too. You can go back. Well, I had no choice. I, I didn't care. Either way was fine. And so then I thought, oh, here's my opportunity. Here's five incredible, magnificent beings full of wisdom I'll ask them. I said, together, all of you, in all your wisdom, would it serve me better? And not my, just myself, but would it benefit not only myself, but everyone concerned if I stay here and continue to guide people as la, a spirit guide? Or if, would it be more beneficial if I go back? And without a pause, 
instantly, unanimously, they said, if you go back, you would be, be of so much more benefit. And I said, okay, send me back. Mm-hmm. And it's not until I start going back that I realize the body in the body, I'm in right. excruciating pain. And, and so I turn back. On my way back, I'm getting, being escorted back to my body. And I guess, hey, you guys, I'm going to need some help. I need some <laughs> healing. What about the or pain? Else, <laughs> yeah. Or else I'm going to be not beneficial to myself <laughs> or anyone else for that matter. You know, I'm going to be a real pain. <laughs> and I hear, fine. <laughs> They're very economical in their communication. That's straight to the point. Fine. Okay. And yes, it took me a few months, but I got fine. Uh, and I was able to get on with things. So the second death, that wasn't quite a death yet, but I've had this out-of-body experience, I'm looking at what choice do I make. And I realize, since I'm not afraid of dying, it's not about life or death. And I said, oh yeah, it's not about life or death anyway, because I know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, there is no such thing as death just life. And I said, so about making a life decision, what, can a, what kind of an important decision am I here to make about life? And I realized, oh, even though I've long known reincarnation, uh, I'm coming back, you know, there's no death, I've known that with certainty. Yet, even so, I've still been living this life as this lifetime from birth till the time I leave this body and go on. So there's no death, but I'm still thinking in terms of birth till the physical death. And I said, okay, let's drop that. Without that, what kind of a life do I live? And I realized that's eternal life. That's life without end. There's no birth. There's no death. It's just life. And I said, okay, if I'm to choose to live eternal life, because we all live eternally, but most of us never get to the point of choosing it so we don't live it fully here in this world. So I said, okay, what if I make that choice of living full on eternally? And there's no physical death and reincarnation change of bodies or anything, situations. Mm-hmm. Oh, that means, oh, that was where the fear was. I'm staring at, oh my God. That means I have to live joyfully, fully, full on, even if I return to my body and it's incapacitated for life. It's incapacitated for the rest of the duration of the physical life. I'm going to be bedridden or uh, handicapped in some way, limited. Oh, I didn't like that. That's tough. Or if I make a decision to live fully, I'm good either here or there, in spirit mm-hmm. or in the body. And finally I realized what that meant was I have to agree to living my life without imposing conditions, my own agenda, my own preferences to it. And I thought, whoa, am I ready for this? And no, I wasn't. (laughs) I'm scared of what I'm looking at. And I thought, whoa, that's that's big. And because so many times I realize, oh, how easily I die is because I'm not afraid of dying. And Mm -hmm. I just go, great. But I thought, oh, living under certain conditions here. Ah, I'm not free of fear. There, I I have some fears. So I Mm -hmm. said, okay, it's now or later. I might as well choose it now. And so I tell everybody up there, I said, okay, I'm signing up for living this life eternally without conditions. And they go, fine. And I'm back in my body, and I'm still on the ground, and I've seen this green grass under my face, and it's just gorgeous. And, and then I go, 
and I now I realize how much pain is in my chest, and and I go, but it's a kind of pain of it's too full, it's too full. Something has to let go. Something has to go, and I, the only person I can think of to talk to with is Mother Earth right in front of my face. I go, Mother Earth, may I just let this go into you? And it was amazing. The grass, green grass, turns black. It's it's just like this black curtain got put mm-hmm. over in front of me, and the curtain opens like this welcoming embrace by Mother Earth, and she goes, let it go. And so mm-hmm. I go, okay. I completely decide to let go of everything in my chest, and I'm seeing all these bits and pieces. I've been a healer all my life, and all these bits and pieces of other people's pain and suffering that I had a hard time handling. Mm -hmm. I had a hard time seeing them and experiencing them going through such pain and suffering. So even though I know how to clear out after every healing I gave, ah, there was a little residue. And the residue sticks to my resistance, my incompletion, right? It's not about Mm -hmm. them. It's what I held on to. And so even though I got you know, 95% of everything out, ah, there's residue. So mm-hmm. out of the thousands and thousands of people I worked with, a little bit of residue, that's yep. a lot of residue. <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. all pouring out of my chest, my heart, and everything. And then it feels like it just empties out, oil change, because the stuff that came out was all black. Wow. And then I find I can breathe better. I'm more in my body. I'm more alert and I'm not in that pain anymore. I stand up, run back upstairs. Yeah, I run back upstairs, uh, up the wow. stairs, and see, Raphael's very, very concerned. Our dog and cat are con- going out of their mind in worry. <laughs> and I say, hey, everything's fine. You know, and I said, hey, I have a meeting at 10 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> and Raphael, I'm not up to driving myself. Can you take me, once I get dressed and everything, can you take me to the office? Because I have this important meeting. He's come from all the way from Israel. And I don't want to stand him up. So she's being very good. She's going, sure, I'll be happy to drive you. Because she knew she had to get me in the car to take me to the hospital. <laughs> wow. And so I get in the car. She's driving us to the office. We're at small town, Manchester. Everything's within, you know, half a mile or a mile. And so she goes, you know, can we just, just for my sake, you know, my peace of mind, can we just swing by the ER and have you <laughs> get checked out? Swing by, right? if, if you're fine, hey, great, I'll take you to the office right afterwards. And at that point, I'm looking at, I look at, you know, hey, do I have a green light for that? I always work and trust with my intuition and mm-hmm. in that instance, I'm looking up, and I see a green light. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so I said, now I can go for it. Before, no, I couldn't go to the hospital. I had to make that choice myself. But now I made the choice. I can go to the hospital, and they can figure out whatever they want to figure out. So we, wow. we go to the hospital, walk into the ER, and I learn, don't walk into the ER. <laughs> <laughs> have somebody take you by ambulance and don't be or, laughing you know wheelchair and definitely don't be laughing so mm-hmm. I'm laughing and we're facing <laughs> the triage nurse and Raphael is not laughing she's she's you know scared she's concerned and the triage nurse looks at both of us and says which of you is in trouble <laughs> so then of course I start laughing some more and Raphael says he's having chest pains. And and then the dress nurse is very casual too. She goes, We got another chest pain <laughs> and she turns to me and says, You're the fourth one in the last twenty minutes walking in wow. with chest pain. And I said, Oh that's interesting. One of those four people, the one that walked in right before me, was one of my students. <laughs> Wow. He was declared by the doctor healthy as an ox and walked Hmm. out. Uh, 
And and I thought, that's very interesting. So I go in, the doctor doesn't take me that seriously because because I'm laughing, I'm talking with her and having a great time until she hooks me up to the EKG. And boy, then she goes into all business. And before she does anything, she goes on the phone. phone and she's talking to somebody, obviously another cardiologist. And when she hangs up, she comes back to me. She says, I've called for an ambulance. And I go, there's four ambulances right out the door. She said, they're not equipped to keep you alive to take you to the next city, the big city, because we can't. You're, you're so far gone, we can't treat you. All we can do is you have to sign this release form uh, because I have to give you this medication that can kill you. <laughs> wow. And I said, okay, that sounds kind of ridiculous. She said, well, it's got a 50-50% chance of killing you. And I said, right now, I feel like I'm 100% alive. By giving me the drug, are you saying you're going to shorten those half that chance from 100 to 50%. She said, no. What I'm trying to tell you is if I don't give you this medication in the next few minutes, you're going to have a 100% chance of dying. And she shows me the EKG. She says, this is called tombstones. And it's not a joke that it's called tombstones. And it looks like tombstones. But anybody who has this will die unless they're treated really fast. And I said, great. You know, it's all in divine, because at that point, I'm seeing the complete orchestration of life, divine life. It's nobody can fail. The doctor, even if she doesn't know exactly what I'm seeing or where it's going or anything, she's going to do the best job she can. The orderlies, the nurses, everyone. They're all being guided by spirit, by this divine choreograph. Nothing can go wrong. Now, even if I get killed, nothing can go wrong. So I'm going, sure, I signed this. And I said, Doc, you know, don't worry. It's all going to be fine. But she's just really scared. And she's just on nerves until she can, you know, pawn me off to the ambulance people. Get, get me off of her charge. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, but, you know, she gave me that medication, and I can tell. Oh, it was the clot buster, and it really, it's like the, the Drano of blood uh, clots. And I can tell, oh, whatever clots were in there, starting to dissolve, and mm-hmm. things are smoother. So I thank her, and it took about an hour and a half for the ambulance crew from the other city to get there over the mountain pass and everything. I go on. Meanwhile, Raphael's, you know, just nobody's communicating with her in the waiting room except, oh, your husband's going to be transported to another city hospital. She says, I, I want to go with him. And they said, no, you can't go on the ambulance, but you can follow the ambulance. Well, she's got an SUV. She's driving up the mountain pass at 75 miles an hour. And in the middle of the pass, this is where I have my second near-death experience, is I got this young paramedic, or who I think is a paramedic, uh, and I really liked him, but he looked like he was a junior or sophomore in high school. Mm -hmm. And I said, hey, you know, how long have you been doing this? And he said, oh, I'm not a paramedic yet. Next week, I take my paramedic's licensing exam. (laughs) he was the trainee (laughs) and this is a joke between Raphael and myself we always get the trainee for everything (laughs) because we're easy yeah (laughs) we we like trainees and we like to work with them so I'm going I know I'm in good hands this guy's not going to take his eyes off of me and meanwhile his trainer is talking about a golf game he had you know in the front seat and so, so I'm going, great, this is great. I said, kid, don't worry. I'm not going to croak on you. <laughs> and that's when I flatlined. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Poor kid, right? Yikes. So 
I'm going out of the body. I'm going through the roof of the uh, ambulance, and I'm out. And it's like total freedom. And I'm still in the physical realm. I see the blue sky above us. And then I look back, and there's Raphael in her SUV. And she's white-knuckling. She's holding on to that steering wheel so tight and just so focused on not letting that ambulance out of her sight, going 75 miles an hour on, through this mountain pass, a windy road. And, and uh, then, of course, she's very psychic. I'm up there laughing, and I'm telling her, Hey, Raphael, I'm up here. She looks up right at me, right while she's driving. And the look of shock on her face, because in here, when you're out of the body, there's no concept of death. And so it's not like I'm up here, I'm partly dead. No. I'm just going, it's so nice to see you from here. And she's looking at me, and the first thought she has, which I don't know, is, oh, my God, he's going. Right? That's what she's looking at. So, so she lifts up one arm and, and fist and sh- shakes her fist at me. Right? And, <laughs> oh, wow. and I'm, I'm laughing to myself. I'm going, oh, she's really pissed. <laughs> 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 and, and she's, what I told myself was, she's saying, if you don't come back, I'm going to kill you. And I'm joking to myself. I'm going, oh, no. That's really scary. I don't want her to kill me. I better go back. But I'm still leaving. I go further away. I'm no longer in this world. And I met with these uh, five enormous, golden, magnificent beings of light. One of those beings comes down to meet me. And as this being comes down, she turns into this beautiful angel. And and uh, she's got uh, the thought I had when I saw her. I'm looking right into her eyes, and she's just this incredible compassion. And she's smiling at me, and I'm thinking, you know what? She reminds me of a cross between, you know, the Columbia pictures before the movie yep. comes on <laughs> with the torch, mm-hmm. and she reminds me of a cross between that and Mona Lisa. Wow. And I'm I'm laughing to myself and she looks at me and she goes she fists <laughs> me and says shakes her head like I'm a delinquent, right? And juvenile delinquent. And so she puts her hands gently on my chest of the astral body and she goes, It's not your time it's not time yet. It's not your time. <laughs> and I said, I know, but uh, it's good to visit with you. And and she's going, oh, incorrigible kid, right? And she pushes me gently down, down, down. Now I'm back into this world. And and then she pushes me back down through the ceiling roof of the ambulance and back into my body. And then she pushes me right in, like snap, you know, like those snap-together models. And I I literally feel the snap, and boom, boom. I feel my heart going on. And and the kid, he's got the paddles in his hand. He was about to paddle me. Mm-hmm. And 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 he's sweating. Wow. Beads of sweat coming down his forehead. And I open my eyes, and he's screaming to the front guys, uh, he's back, he's back, uh, he's back. <laughs> and, Unbelievable. Oh, you know, he was looking at, boy, if I lose this guy, Next week is my, you know, finals for my paramedics exam. It's not going to look good. Wow. He was so relieved. He put his, I said, you can put your paddles back. Thank you for taking care of me. Wow. And and I said, I'm sorry I lied to you. (laughs) I really didn't think I was going to (laughs) croak. Wow. Lucky you you didn't give him a a heart attack, Michael. Heart attack, yes. Yeah. Let me me ask you about... um, uh, the movie uh, personal PGS personal guidance system. It's a, it's about intuition. 
And um, you, I think, refer to it as kind of a, a catch-all for all kind of psychic, clairvoyant practices. It kind of comes down to like intuition as a starting place, and intuition helps you find your purpose. And this guy, Bill Bennett, who's an Australian filmmaker, he he had a uh, kind of an epiphany where he was driving along, and a voice inside his head said, "Stop!" And he stopped, and then a tractor trailer or something ran a red light, and he would have been, you know, out, gone. And he went off and decided, I'm going to make a movie about this. What is this voice? And he got hold of like an all-star team of spiritual teachers like yourself, uh, James Van Prague and uh, Judith Orloff and uh, Paul Selig and Jeffrey Fannin and Siri Nithya and uh, Amanda Guggenheimer and Carolyn Miss and uh, Buddhist Grandmaster Bhutan, the, uh, the man from Bhutan, uh, yourself. Um, Francesca McCartney, uh, just on and on. How did you get um, kind of uh, pulled into that project, and what what did that project mean to you? Yes, well, it was it was. Sorry really if I great. mangled half of those names. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, once you're in spirit, names don't mean hardly anything. That's attached to the person. Lee Carroll also, I forgot. Yeah, him. Lee Carroll, he's a great yeah. guy, and so many wonderful people. Doctor Norm Sheely. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so anyway, um, I didn't know anything about this movie until the day um, Bill. We've become really good friends since then. But he calls me. I didn't know Bill from Adam as far as on a physical level, and he didn't know who I was other than James Van Prague said on the way out uh, after he Bill interviewed James in uh, Southern California. He goes, "Who do you think next?" Well. The night before uh, Bill interviewed James, Bill was talking with his wife, um, Jennifer Clough, who's also a producer of the film. And they're talking about their you know, uh, trip plans and everything, and they're on a very short schedule, so they can't make lots of detours. And she's, Jennifer's going, we're in California, and we've always wanted to see this place, this sacred place called Mount Shasta. Can we maybe swing by Mount Shasta somewhere before we go back to Australia? And Bill's going that night before, says, I don't think so, because that's completely in the, on the opposite side of this state. And mm-hmm. we got, you know, uh, a deadline here, timeline. And so she goes, okay. And next morning, she interviews James, and on the way out, James says, you ought to go see Michael Tamura next, and you need to interview him, but he lives in Mount Shasta, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the opposite end of the state, and Bill said, all he heard was, okay, Michael Tamura, Mount Shasta, we're going, and, and <laughs> isn't that great? This is how intuition That is works. fantastic. Wow. Well, and it's a great Bill movie, and uh, and I know it's uh, it's being marketed in a very uh, ingenious way, and I uh, and I really enjoy talking to Bill. I have this list of people, and I think I'm just going to ask some more of them to be on the show because uh, just I was so uh, spellbound by the movies. It's really fantastic. But let's talk yeah. about um, uh, intuition and the importance of it. Uh, my, listeners, um, most folks are are I think today, particularly men, I think they, they want to do something in the quote unquote spiritual area. They're looking for more. They know just the job and the paycheck is not the answer. And they not everybody can like say, I'm gonna to go to, you know, Brazil uh for a retreat. And so they have to take kind of little steps. And I think the thinking is that everybody has spiritual psychic tools, clairvoyance, but we are kind of covered up. What can people, what is intuition? How can people tap into it? I I know you mentioned grounding and running the energy through and dispersing energy out, bad energy out of you or quote unquote bad energy. What can, what are some of the, what is intuition? Why is it important? And how can people kind of tap into it uh, who are in the, you know, the day-to-day conscious level world for 99% of their lives, which is 99% of the people out there. Exactly. And everybody is, intuitive a hundred percent like you say uh it's just whether you you pay attention to it or not and so my definition my personal definition of intuition is simply having certainty in divinity or the limitlessness of spirit or whatever you want to call it but it's it's having certainty 
in the vastness that's way bigger than any one of us. And some people consider that God, or some people consider that the, the absolute whatever beyond everything we know of here. But it's within us. And so then, to live by intuition, that's what I'm interested mm-hmm. in. And that's what Bill's movie starts to introduce, is, okay, it's there all the time for all of us, but some of us pay attention to it. And you know that saying, uh, uh, were you ever in the military in this lifetime? Me personally? Yes. No. Okay. Because you have been in in many prior, prior lifetimes. Oh, I think, I think so. And I yeah, think that's why I avoided it in this. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Not only you avoided it, but you didn't have to. You, you, you got the lottery ticket number where you just go, okay, you, you're not to be in the military this lifetime. Because, mm-hmm. But as a soul, you're a warrior. You're, you're a soul of action. You have enormous creativity. And, you know, I, I wanted to kind of use that military example of being in a foxhole in battle. They say there's not a soldier who's in a foxhole that's not intuitive. That mm-hmm. that be is an atheist that that can stay an atheist because right. <laughs> hey you're facing that bullet you're facing any second now I could be blown up to shreds and what is life about you're really looking at that mm-hmm. and am I willing to lay my life down for the benefit of others so you're right there you're face to face with something way bigger and something intangible, but way bigger than you. But how much more physical and, you know, right here in this world can it get than being in the middle of a battle, right? Or Mm -hmm. being in the middle of, like you said, you've been in, in the corporate battle zone. (laughs) That's no less of a battle zone. Oh, yeah. The the backstabbing and the whole bit. It's, It's more of a battle zone than traditional war because traditional war they're coming at you from in front of you right but the corporate battle zone hey any which way it's like yep. guerrilla warfare right oh yeah mm-hmm. and you had to go through that not so you can get killed or shot at but you had to go through that because you had to learn how to navigate because you're a born leader and and there's no other path for you than to lead but you're the kind of leader in every one of your lifetimes. You've been a leader that leads in the trenches with the rest of the guys. And so when I first heard your radio program was Guys Guy Radio, mm-hmm. I thought, how perfect. I don't, you know, I've never met you before, but I'm looking at you, your energy, and who you are as the soul that you are that's been uh, all along for many, many lifetimes. And I'm seeing you as this incredible leader that likes to be in the trenches with the other guys and mm-hmm. lead from the front of the line instead of the back. And so, and that's what you're going to do. But, for example, can I talk a little bit about you? Please. Okay. Sure. Uh, right now, in current, because we're looking at intuition in relationship to everyday decisions that we make, especially for a guy's guy like you. And and the the greatest challenge you're facing right now, you've already faced all those corporate backstabbing, all that kind of stuff. You did fine, uh, but you might have gotten a couple of surgeries out of it. But yeah. <laughs> you did fine. And but now you're you're way closer to home, both in terms of where your heart really is and where you are as spirit, but also home in the sense of family and home and and so you're looking at you know your path is out there in the world leading from the front lines and you've got a whole new thing a whole new empire a whole new uh field in which to lead which is not a battlefield but it's a field of love it's a field of Enlightenment. It's a field of awakening. Yet, you also 
are in this relationship and family, new family, with this incredible soul coming in as your child. And, and you're looking at that, and that's very close to your heart because even through all these uh, leadership lifetimes and warrior lifetimes as a tribal-type leader, you are so completely devoted to your family and tribe. There's nothing greater for you. You will put your life down for your family, those you love the most, those that you consider to be good people and your people. And so that's the kind of leader you are. So now you're looking at this, oh, my God, do I devote 100% to my family or do I devote 100% to my newly discovered spiritual path and new career path to fulfill that spiritual path through? And mm-hmm. how am I going to do that? Because right. not only are you like that, but you're, you've always been a 100% guy. Or yeah. actually, you'd rather be 120% in everything you do. So you're not going to do something until you can sure your, you reassure yourself you're in it 100% all the way. So that's the decision you made when you started your family. You're 100% all the way. But that's the same with your career, your new career, and you're your newly opened up. It's, you've always been on this path, but it's a whole new arena has opened up in your spiritual path that you weren't seeing before. And so now you've got 200% or maybe even 300% commitment going on. And how are you going to possibly do that? Well, that comes in with intuition. There's no effort involved. There's no physical force. There's no... It doesn't involve the physical body having to, you know, do blood, sweat, and tears kind of stuff. So the body could be relaxed. Now, that's a great point because I, I think, you know, feeling like a leader always and having been a leader in my corporate career um, and always rallying with the team and everything and doing the work, not just delegating, but being part of it, um, then leaving that and uh, just working by myself and building something out of nothing and not making a lot of money out of doing it, just putting in the time, putting in the time and, and relying on other people and chasing people and chasing things. And then I just said, I'm just giving this over to spirit and uh, I'm just going to do the work and, uh, and spirit will work through me. I asked for that and I, I just say, all right, just do it. And uh, I feel like I'm kind of at a point where things are going to open up now. Um, Yes. Or, or are opening up, and I don't know how, and I know it's probably not exactly what I expected, but I think this, I feel stuff kind of happening. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely on the right track, and it is opening up already, but you're still integrating. You, you've been through just as much of a near-death experience as I have, mm-hmm. and even though your heart didn't stop and stuff like that. But but you're still integrating this massive download of really not just information, but of yourself that you're bringing back here on earth to be in the trenches, and, but a different kind of trenches. And you may, on a physical level, you may feel like you're by yourself, you know, in a radio studio kind of a thing, uh, doing this and trudging along, but you're not at all because you're reaching so many more people than you ever could have reached in a corporate box situation. And, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't let you reach all those people at the level that you are That's able true. to. And plus, you're starting to let go of having to do everything physically by your own physical body. You're in communication with not only spirit, but all of the people who are also part of that same one spirit. And through not only this radio show, but through your writing, through your storytelling, then through your uh, relationship with your family, through raising your child, through all of that. 
it's it's huge. This book you were talking about at the beginning of the show that you wrote about relationships, that's huge. That was a door opener for you to write that book. Yeah, There's a lot more you're going to be putting out in terms of relationship because that's what you're working on right now is ah, the single most difficult relationship you've ever had to deal with is the relationship with your true self. Yes. And that's what you're dealing with already. And that's the part where in the past, when you're, you, you would willingly go into the front of the battlefield because you trusted, you respected that top commander-in-chief that said, you know, you knew that person and you said, okay, if he's sending me into the battle and I'm going into battle for my country or for my tribe or whatever, I'm 100%. I'm going to give my 100% no matter what happens. But there's always that intermediary that you look to, whether it was in religion, whether it was in politics, whether it was in military, or whether it was in a family-type situation. You look to that, your, your higher boss, not the, not the main big guy in the sky, so to speak, mm-hmm. but, but the higher boss that's a live, physical person that you implicitly trusted. But now you've stepped into over that abyss where there is no intermediary. Yes, you can say spirit guides, spirit teachers in spirit are intermediaries, but they're still spirit, the same substance, that same intangible substance as God, as the big guy. And the the final boss, this boss's boss. And so when you're having to trust yourself as your own boss here on earth, then what you're doing is you're going, okay, there's no one between me and the real boss, the source, that which is, that which is beyond everything. Here, that which seems unreachable, but I know I'm right there. I'm with that source. I'm reaching it. And intuition is the bridge. Intuition is the phone line to that source that stays seemingly, from a human perspective, seemingly aloof from all the wars, all the shenanigans that we get Mm -hmm. into as human beings. But, ah, that link is what we call the totality of spirit, that dynamic power of God, which is God in action, so to speak, is mm-hmm. what we call spirit. And through intuition, we connect with that spiritness of all there is. And with that, you're never going to go wrong. Oh, that's so great to hear. And I have a wonderful, thank you for mentioning my family. I have a beautiful uh, four-year-old boy. He's going to be five. Uh, his name is Sky, And my wife is a, she's a natural healer. Her name is Uni. And uh, she's been a godsend to me. She does energy work on me. Uh, she asked me to ask you, like, is, is she on her, her right path? I think a lot of things are going on with her. And my son is just, he seems like a special person. So I just want to throw yes. that your way. Your, your family is absolutely beautiful your wife is is a absolute she's she's so heart-centered she is the healer her her real healing gift is she's a healer of relationships she is the go-between between the uh how should we say we're starting to let go of our ego self to put our life in the totality and Mm -hmm. she heals by helping people do that by helping people to trust and then your your son is an amazing he's on fire he's he's an agent of change (laughs) it's actually he has had a lot to do with you already he has been in your life as spirit long before he was even conceived. And when he starts really coming into your life in preparation 
to be your son is when you start going through massive, massive change. Wow. Yeah, he's the one who kicked you in the butt, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, that would that would be him. You know, that yeah. that that's that's amazing because I asked him uh, a couple of times. I said, "Where you know, did you choose mommy and did you choose mommy and daddy?" And he's like, "Yeah." And I said, "Well, what was that like?" He said, "Well, I was swimming around in this pond, and then I kind of saw you up in uh, your where we live now, and then I saw you first, dad, and then I jumped in mommy's heart, and then uh, I'm here." I was like, "Wow, that's pretty." <laughs> You know, that's, you know, our kids are, they don't have any filter. They just tell yeah, you. And that's it's, very, that's very wow. accurate. Uh, my younger son described his uh, coming in almost identically to that. Wow. Yes. Fantastic. Well, listen, um, we've taken up a lot of your time. You're so generous and so interesting. I, I have like a two, three pages of questions. that. I, <laughs> but I think you've, you've answered everything in, in one way or another anyhow. And I'm so delighted that you could join me. And I hope you'll find time uh, when your voice gets better and after you've done all your touring and everything that we could do it again at some point. Um, I know you're in such demand, but I'll, I'll, I'll hold out that hope because – I really love what you're doing, and I just resonated with what I heard and saw and listened to with you, uh, Michael. I'm just really blown away by your gift, and you're, you're for real, and, uh, and you're a blessing to mankind. So I think those guys who sent you back, I think they were right, and we're all benefiting from it. And uh, the name of your book is uh, You Are the Answer, and um, everybody can find you at Michael Tamora, T-A-M-U-R-A.com. Yes. Okay. Is there and, one thing that you could share uh, with our audience, one tip to help people um, learn how to uh, die correctly so they can live better? Yes. It's what I call living the miracle. And as we know, miracles are beyond all expectations. We can't expect, you know, miracles. It's, it's, we can expect that miracles going to happen, but we can't control what's going to happen. Living the miracle begins by living by intuition, following your inner guidance and all the way. And like I think Bill Bennett said in your interview of him, um, mm -hmm. which was terrific. Um, Thank you. He said, oh, start small. You know, practice with little things. Uh, Lee Carroll in the movie said, practice with uh, trusting your parking angels and yes. that you're going to get a parking lot, parking spot. <laughs> mm -hmm. I do it all fun. the time, and it works. Yeah, it's fun, fun way to do it. Make it a game. When when mm -hmm. we teach kids, we have to make it a game because kids are always into having fun. If you make it serious, they're going to go, why should I do that? That's boring. That's silly. It's It's not fun because kids are so close to life, to eternal life, they know. Life is meant to be joyous. It's got to be fun. And so that's something what your son as a soul sees in you. You're going to be such a fun dad. So he's got, <laughs> I don't know if he thinks that now because I'm, no, I'm more the disciplinarian so far. Yes, but that's okay. But even when you're disciplined, make it fun. And, mm -hmm. and because that's in your nature. You love fun. You have yes. enormous joy, uh, and and he's gonna kick you in the butt, but you're gonna still be joyful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic! And I loved being on your show, and yes, I would love to do this again. And so, just please contact us anytime you I want, will. and uh, we'll do it. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Michael, and please give my best to Raphael, and uh, she's so nice and. Uh, our correspondence and everything. And, uh, and she must have such a challenge working with somebody as and loving and living and being married to somebody as interesting and provocative as you. It must be like, wow, what a life you yeah. too much have. Two clairvoyants yeah. together. It's like, <laughs> I know what you're thinking. I mean, I could go do a whole show about that. That must that, be, that would be a yes. good TV show, actually, the two clairvoyants well, who live together. <laughs> we were approached by a TV major network to really? do that show, but mm -hmm. they couldn't have it. They wanted to make it bad, miserable uh -huh. to have. I mean, they wanted to make it so that even if one of you was clairvoyant, it would be horrible. 
But to have both of you, it would be miserable. And we oh. said, no, we're not no, into no, no. throwing chairs at each other <laughs> on a TV show. And, but, you know, uh, your listeners can also uh, tap into, want to hear Raphael. She and I have a new radio show called Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. So it's, it's a lot Fantastic. of fun. Yeah. Okay. We want everybody to be clairvoyant and psychic, intuitive, and then they're going to have an incredible relationship. Fantastic. Okay, well, I, know, I want you to rest your voice, and I thank you so much, Michael, from the bottom of my heart. I've learned so much already from you, and uh, I love the work you're doing. You're, you're an inspiration for me because you're teaching me how to share and be selfless, and uh, uh, it's just I'm blown away. So thank you, sir. Thank you very much. I've learned a lot from being on your show. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Michael. All right, everybody. That's our show for this evening. As I mentioned, no commercials, no guys, guys, guy, no guys, guy of the week. We're just all the whole time. I want to be with Michael Tamora. He's so fascinating. We learned so much. I want to thank him and I want to thank our audience as always for being there and uh, supporting Guys Guys Radio. And uh, I'm going to be back again on Sunday. We're doing two shows a week now because there's such a demand for guests and uh, to get on the show. So I'm so thrilled. And we're looking, you know, corporate sponsors and taking it to terrestrial or satellite, whatever. But we're, we're on the road. We're on the right path. So thank you, everybody. And uh, that's our show for this week. So as like I always like to say at the end of the show, guys, guys, finish first.